This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, got an exciting interview for you today. I mentioned it in my daily financial news this morning, which is an episode we do at 7.30, that I had a surprise guest at nine o'clock. And what we're doing is we're bringing on one of my students who's been through the course and wants to ask a lot of questions, which I always encourage, right? That's why we're here. That's why I have the Facebook group, right? That's why we have the community. But I thought I'd, uh, I would answer questions. We'd record it. So hopefully his questions will inspire others to take action. Let's welcome Ryan to the show. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Thanks, Michael. Uh, it's great to be able to pose the questions directly to you. And hopefully some of them have some value to uh, all the other students that uh, I'm talking to on the Facebook group. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will, Ryan. Uh, do me a favor, just real quick, what market are you in, where you're at? What was your what was your journey with real estate before the course, after, and then we'll get into the questions. Sure. So uh, I, I was one of those uh, about 15 years ago, jumped in just out of college, uh, got drawn into that you know, <laughs> uh, subject to and lease option and no money down and all the different stuff where you just kind of get upsold by all these different groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it not really too successfully got out and thought, I'm not doing this again. Uh, moved, uh, moved to California, uh, live in the Bay Area, and then saw a couple opportunities and said, eh, you know what, I'll self-manage. I'll pick up a condo here. Or mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I bought uh, a property that has an, another kind of ADU on it. So, uh, you know, po- yeah. possibly rent that out. Okay. So uh, that's where I am now. Uh, looked at, uh, you know, we got you've talked about what's going on, you know, the Fed's still uh, expanding its uh, balance sheet, which is going to drive, you know, uh, drive possibly inflation and, and rates low. So yeah. uh, what's better than uh, real assets? Yeah, so, real assets that produce cash flow that you can conservatively finance with 30-year debt, there's nothing better. <laughs> and especially, I mean, every year we say, oh, we're at the bottom of the markets and, and yeah. rates are at like zero. And then it goes down again. It's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. good. So I, to, uh, yeah, decided, uh, read your book. Yeah. Uh, I actually, uh, for, for those who don't know, I emailed Michael. I was on a plane and actually paid for the Wi-Fi just so I could. Oh, thank you. Know, you. Uh, but I'm looking at remote investing. Uh, okay. Looked through Florida and Texas. All right. Uh, came to settle on Texas. All right. And then uh, looked between really Dallas, wanted to get into uh, Austin because my friends are there and Elon sure. Musk is there, not a friend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, and really looked between Dallas and Houston because uh, first for cash flow, and then after listening to one of your, I think your interview with, um, is it Abby? I think Abby. Mm-hmm. Uh, really looked at, uh, and the course um, yield and okay. oh, chose Houston. Very cool. All right. Um, so thank you for that. Again, folks, if you take my course, all these vocabulary words will make sense. Yield, that's essentially the only variable I use and recommend to find, you know, what market to go to, what assets, what deal. Um, I always hear, I always talk about learn your market, learn what average is. Once you know average, you can do good and great. These are all things that will become second nature in the course. 
Uh, but Ryan, let's get into your questions. We can do about 45 minutes of questions. Let's, let's see where you want to go first and, and feel free to ask anything you want. That sounds great. So uh, yeah, after kind of identifying, uh, like, like you said in the course, you know, know your goals, which drove a lot of everything from the market to single family homes. You know, I'm doing the vanilla. My wife and I are both fully employed and with kids. So uh, not a lot of time, as you say, it's, uh, I I'm time poor. Right. And but it's not necessarily how much money, but, but time, which is a great way to look at it. So uh, I got through all the way th uh, through interviewing and selecting uh, property managers and right. settled on my one. And so I'm kind of hoping that today we can go from there mm -hmm. all the way through kind of maybe the close okay. and kind of the process so I can have a, um, a repeatable process for okay. that. So the first question being, now that I have a property manager, the most important member of my team, uh, I'd like to make offers because I've got, I see some properties with yield. Mm -hmm. How do you select a realtor? Uh, do you find one yourself definitely, or do you go with the one that the property manager already has or both or? Well, this is where you start to build relationships and you should start growing your network, right? If you've, if you've done the heavy lifting and found the team member, right? Which for out-of-state investors is the PM, the property manager. I would first start testing that relationship and ask for referrals. My hope, if it's a decent sized property manager, is they won't give you just one agent. They would give you two or three because you're the one that's going to be working with them. You're going to be communicating what you're looking for. Uh, but that would be something I would do. So that would be, I, I would do two branches. So that's branch one. And then the second thing I would do as I'm looking at opportunities and seeing how deals grow is I would start calling listing agents as well. Right. I would call a listing agent. You know, if you found a property at 123 Main Street, and, you know, let's say you found it on Monday and it was pending on Tuesday, for example, I would call that agent and say, hey, uh, I'm Ryan. I'm, you know, I'm out of state investor. I like this opportunity. It was a 9% yield or whatever it was for me. Um, you know, A, let me know if this, you know, comes back, right? Because escrows blow up. And B, oh, by the way, I'm looking for, as you know, three bedroom, two bath, you know, between this, that, and the other. Because it's not only who you know or who knows you, but it, who knows you and, and what you're looking for. So one of the things that I would try to do is I would try, I'd probably try to meet two agents a week. Again, just knowing your situation. One ideally is a layup from the property manager. And then one, you know, why don't you pick up the phone, you know, every Friday after hours or Monday morning or whatever makes sense for you. And just call one of the listing agents and say, hey, the key to calling a listing agent from out of state is being intelligent. I saw your listing, 123 Main Street. It's this, that, and the other. So they know which one you're talking about. I like that deal because of X, Y, and Z. You know, let me know if you have others. If you, you know, if this one blows up, call me back. Um, but yeah, don't just call an agent and go, hey, I'm Ryan from California. I got a lot of money. Give me a deal. Don't do that. Yeah. I wish, uh, I, it seems like uh, a lot in the news. It's, yeah, everyone especially if they're from, I mean, our area and yeah. in California, it's like, oh, Mr. Moneybags. And uh, that's not, not the, usually not the case and not, not in my situation. Yeah. So. This, yeah. Don't, don't, it's a bad form. <laughs> is there a way to see whether the listing agent is actually an agent? Because I've run into a couple people who um, I think it was on maybe bigger pockets, some of the properties, and it just seemed like their name was on everything. And I find out they're just, they're a wholesaler. So they don't own any of the properties. They're just- Yeah. So if I, if you went to, so I, I would not, 
look to bigger pockets or Craigslist or anything of that nature for actual listings. It, it might be data sources for extra information, but it's not where I would start. I would go to Realtor, Zillow, Redfin. All of those agents listed there are licensed in their state. Um, you can't be a wholesaler, at least only a wholesaler. You could be an agent and a wholesaler, but you will be licensed to get stuff in your local MLS and then MLS sucking up to Redfin, Zillow, Realtor. That's where I would go. Bigger pockets, no licensing. Craigslist, no licensing. It's kind of, you know, wild, wild west. Yeah, that makes sense. And so uh, let's let's say, um, as you said, uh, the you know internal referrals from your property manager, uh, that layup, mm -hmm. uh, the listing agents, and they're sending me deal flow. Mm -hmm. um, I'm obviously uh, doing all this stuff, trying to use whether rentometer or bigger pockets for mm -hmm. I think that's the rent and rootstock maybe for the neighborhood score, different things. Sure. And I find them and they're yielding. Um, that's kind of the, you know, I get a little nervous. I'm like, okay, I, I, I really want, I find one I really want, not because I love a kitchen or anything, but because I love the yield. Of course. Is that just kind of jumping in for the offer? And if so, then I have a realtor who does that for me. Yeah. So a couple of things. So, so first off, when you want to make an offer, either use the agent, you built a relationship or the listing agent, whoever brings you the deal gets the deal, mm -hmm. right? Um, you don't have so first, you never have to just have one agent, right? If you're the buyer, right? I always pay the person who brought me a deal. I know, no lie, over 100 agents in Fresno and everybody knows that Michael will buy if you bring him a deal, all right? So that's just how it needs to be. So always communicate that. Second, one of the things you need to be doing as you're building the relationships is you need to be validating your assumptions, right? So it doesn't go get agents, find yield, make offer. It's find agents, educate them with what you know, because maybe the neighborhood, right? The roof stock score to use what you said earlier is old information, or maybe it's better than it's, I don't know what, it, something's different, but check with them, right? You're going to call the agent one, two, three main street, talk about your listing. You should also say, Hey, I'm looking at, I don't know any neighborhoods in Houston, you know, yeah. South yeah. Yeah, deer, I'm looking at Deer Creek because of the schools or because of close to employment or close to freeways or whatever. And just keep testing, testing, testing. Everybody you should meet, you should be testing different facts and never test just once, right? If you meet two people a week, by the time you've done that eight weeks, you've met 16 people and you should have gone through all of your criteria a dozen times. Okay. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to, you, what will likely happen is you will validate half the things you knew and then you'll find half the things you knew were wrong or you'll be surprised. And that's just amazing when you can, you can start to tie together extra pieces. You can eat, what I have seen happen over time is maybe it makes your interest in Deer Creek more interesting or you start to see cracks in your assumptions because damn it, you're four states away, right? So yeah. yeah, use that relationship building but use it to your value, right? Check, double check, triple check. Okay, and so- Let's say um, either I found the deal mm -hmm. and uh, and I hadn't gotten the deal through any of the realtors, but I then reach out to one I feel I have a good relationship or sure. maybe the one who responds most quickly. Yeah. Or in my case, I like people who are very blunt. Uh, <laughs> so maybe I, like I could. It. Then and yield and everything. And they've said, yeah, I've seen that listing. And they're like, okay, how do you, uh, yeah. what how do you, do? you personally come up with the, 
the offer number in that circumstance. Yeah. For me, it's all about the yield. So for, I mean, for example, let's just say in your market, it was a 7% yield, whatever it is. Um, What I would always go in again, 2020 is extremely hot. So in 2020, I might go just with right, like with my best offer. Most of the time I would go in at like 8%. I would always give room for one counter. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. But that's most mark. I, I don't know that I would do that between now and March. We have to have inventory. I don't know Houston at all. For all I know, Houston's got a lot of inventory. But generally speaking, nine times out of 10, I would go in with a point above what I want. So I have room to counter. Today in my market, I'm just giving best and finals. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not getting anything now. I'm just going to give my best offer today. So that, that's how I do that. Makes sense. And so is that, um, what I'm finding is uh, you made a point and a lot of people have spoken to it. And I think a lot of your, uh, the, your students um, who have been on the Facebook group longer have, have learned through that time with, for patience. Uh-huh. Right now I look at low rates, wanting to get in, you know, like having the urge where it's like, oh yeah, you know, that's yielding 5.1% and my hurdles five. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just offer you know, it's going contingent, everything's going contingent or pending within days of being on Zillow. Yeah. So, and so it's like, I just want to go in at asking just, just to get it. Yeah. You make it when you buy. Yeah. I would tell it's, you to slow down. Um, okay. You know, I know what it feels like to have cash burning a hole in your pocket. Uh, but as I've said many times and in the Facebook group, many times is I have more cash today than I've ever had. And, um, but also I can see the future and it is very clear. And again, I don't know Houston, but I'm guessing inventory is the problem. Inventory is the problem. So we need that spring selling season to come back and we need forbearance to be behind us. We need frustrated landlords behind us so that more inventory can hit market because when you get more inventory, you're going to get quality variances. And when you have quality variances, you're going to have seller differences. And when you have seller differences, you can make better deals. So if your hurdle rate's five percent, um, you know, five, so five is at five is average, right? So anything above five, green light to make offers in, in my course, and that's what I recommend. But I think you got to be a little more aggressive today. I don't think I would do a deal less than six. Now they're out there. You can you can like if if, if the offer is five point one percent at two nineteen or two eighty nine or whatever it is, you know, if you offered like two seventy eight. It, the, as you know, down payment goes lower, all that stuff happens. But um, I guess what I would tell you is, you know, you're, you're 30 days into a 90 day learning period. So calm down, take a breath. Uh, March will be here before you know it. You will be amazed at how much you know in March versus today. And you really haven't even started growing your network yet. Um, I would definitely not make a full price offer at a 5.1 today because you haven't done that step we just talked about, validated what you think you know. Again, I don't know Deer Creek. It was Deer Creek, right? Uh, yeah, or Deer Park. Yeah, Or Deer Park, whatever. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, Deer Park. Uh, you may not know. You may think you know Deer Park, but I bet you by January 31st, you will have learned more. Now, it could have made you like Deer Park more, or it may have gone, oh, Deer Park's not what I thought it was. So uh, again, take a deep breath. There's always another deal. I suspect yield goes up next year as inventory goes up because variances go up. It's um, 
you know, that's what I think. Yeah. And that makes sense. And also, as you say, as I'm testing the facts, my 5.1 yield based on certain assumptions yeah. may could be a two percenter because exactly of something having a, it's in a flood zone and therefore insurance goes up or yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So uh, you're right okay. on the cusp. You're right on the cusp. You've got the basic building blocks from the course. Now you need to do the work. When you put in an offer, do you, do you have like some nuance where you tweak other potential terms in the offer or are they just kind of straightforward? Um, you know, you have your normal contingencies, yeah. uh, inspection contingency. Uh, when uh, I'm in your situation, yeah, I would just use, I mean, really there's only a couple of things you get to play with because you're going to get a bank loan, right? Not cash, right? So really there's two things you can treat. One is earnest money deposit. Um, some markets, 1% is standard in a market with its high competition. I have been known to, I've been known to put in 10%. Again, I'm just trying to make my offer stand out, right? Look different. Uh, and then you can play with, uh, contingencies, right? Um, you can shorten contingencies, but again, when I, in the beginning, I wouldn't, I would, in the beginning, I would play with earnest money deposit before I would touch contingencies. You yeah. don't want to feel the time pressure. When you've got a year, two years, you own a couple of rentals and your team is wired and tight, then you can play with dates. I would not, I would not lower dates arbitrarily because you don't want your money to go hard uh, before you uncover risk. So I think in the beginning, um, EMD is probably the only thing I would play with. Okay, that's great. So let's say once it's accepted, um, what are those steps next that I do to qualify the property qualify that might offer uh, before removing contingencies? Uh, with that, you should work out with your agent, right? That's part of the networking. Like what, what is standard in Houston? Um, you're going to likely want to get a property inspection. Um, I don't know if there's zoning or floods or, I mean, I don't know Houston. I don't know if you check for oil and gas. I have no idea. So talk to the agents. Yeah. But basically for me, what it is, it's for me, again, you've taken the course is validating the condition of the property. Most important because you went into the math with a number that we, you and I in the course call make ready, right? If you yeah. go in assuming a $5,000 make ready, which might be new carpet and paint, and you find out that, you know, part of the house is sinking and you've got to go add a, a pillar or a pier, that's different, right? Um, so really for me, you need to validate that make ready number because the make ready number, as you know, is the largest variance in yield. If that make ready number, because it's 100% cash, goes up 10, 20%, it will impact yield substantially. Um, and the reverse is true, right? If the condition turns out to be better than you thought, yield will go higher. Does that make sense, Ryan? Hello, Ryan. Are you there? Nope. We lost him. We will wait and see if Ryan comes back. I'm still recording.
Let's see. Let's end this actually. Let's stop.